0: Um, So I just want to, got six scriptures. I want to talk to you this morning. Let's pray, and then we're going to get into the word. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We give you praise with much thanksgiving. We bless you and we honor you. We honor you for this day, and we honor you for the manifestation of this promise. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We thank you that you don't forget even when we forget. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And we pray that this building will become a reminder to everybody connected here who has a promise that they haven't seen yet. And we believe that we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't have a traditional Mother's Day message, but it is a message that will bless mothers. And everybody else. And the title of my message today is Keep Believing God. Keep believing God. Turn to your neighbor and say, Keep Believing. Keep believing you got to say that like you mean it. Say, Keep Believing God. Keep so I was thinking about this, and I've been saying this from the beginning. For many of you, you don't necessarily know our story, but when we first started pastoring, I think we were 27, 28 years old. We look back now, we like, how in the world were we trying to lead kids? We were kids. We passed. We had a church here. We had a word. And then we ended up leaving for whatever. Judge whether we should have left or not. That's irrelevant now. That's not the point of the story. We ended up coming back here. And the whole time we were back here, we kept looking for a building in Rogers. And no matter what we looked at in Rogers, we just couldn't get anything to work. And then we found this building, which if you haven't heard the testimony, it is literally Blessing on top of blessing, sweatless victory. And as soon as me and Mika were talking, she was like, we got to build in, in, first, in Fayetteville because that's the first thing God said. And I was thinking about this. There are sometimes you're believing God for something, and it looks like you are so off track. And, it, and you can come in and create new promises and add on things, but tell your neighbor, say, God doesn't forget. Say, he never forgets. forgets. That ought to bless you if you a mother and your kids ain't living right because God never forgets. God never forgets. So I just wanted to give you some of my favorite scriptures about believing God. Amen? Then we'll get out your way. Psalm 62. If you're going to be a person who believes God, Psalm 62 You're going to have to use your phone. We don't have screens yet. It says, truly my soul waiteth on God. From him comes from my my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 5 says, my soul wait thou only on God. For my expectation is from him. When you are believing God, you must keep your expectation in God. Even when you don't know how it's going to work out, even when it looks like all hope is gone, even when it looks like there is absolutely no way that you can have the thing that God said, don't let go of your expectation. Numbers 23 and 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent of anything. If he said it, he will make it good. So I just wanted to stir your faith this morning that every time you walk on this property and every time you walk in this building, that it reminds you that God does not forget. God does not forget. Can everybody just say that? God does not forget. forget. You may forget. You may give up. You may decide that it's not going to work. And all the time, we used to preach this scripture all the time. It's in Jeremiah that says you get on horses and you think you're running from the Lord. And all the time you are running from the Lord, you are running to the Lord because all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord are called according to his purpose. So he never said you had to get it all right. He just said, keep loving me. He never said you wouldn't make mistakes. He never said you wouldn't have setbacks. He never said you wouldn't be disappointed. He never said you wouldn't get hurt. He never said you wouldn't think you heard him and then get over there and realize that you didn't. He never said that while you was hearing him, somebody wouldn't betray you and turn their back on you. What he said is that keep your expectation in me and I am working it back even when it looks like nothing's working. I just want to say to somebody who got sickness in your body right now it might not look like nothing's working but something's working yeah something supernatural is working right now. Medicine may be working but the word is an incorruptible seed and the Bible says when the word gets planted that it shall not return unto him void. It will do what he said it would do. That's why all God needs you to do even if they give you a bad report say Mr. Doctor I thank you because I understand that you just practiced it but I got a word that's higher than your word. The word that's higher than your word you say it's in but the word says I'm already healed so Mr. Doctor excuse me I just gotta stick with God on this one I was thinking about it Pastor Ellen leaned over to me and he said what are the chances how do we end up in a space where how many years ago was it Carrie 14 years ago that we get called to the hospital to pray for her they tell us she probably gonna die before we get there. Did you, she, they tell her she's, go, she will probably be dead before we get there. And we get there, and we're praying in the room, and Chris says, I just feel like I'm supposed to sing over. And Chris just starts singing over her. And we trying not to sing loud and mess it up. We, she just singing over And then they say, she's getting better. We need to take her to Springfield. But she probably won't make it. See, you got to understand the Bible says first the blade. When you get a blade, don't despise the blade. The blade is indication that the seed is in the ground and it's working. They told us she was going to die that day. But God said she was seen this day. Whose report will you believe? It looked like she was dying. The report said her liver was shutting down, but God had already seen her here. What you don't understand is that God has already been to the end of your journey. That is the reason that God tells you not to be moved by any wave, any sea, any devil, any demon, because he's already seen you get to the other side. Luke 1 and 37. Say, I'm going to the other side. Say, this is my year of great victory. Anybody believe it for great victory? Luke 1. Thirty-seven. It says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. It's impossible with man. It's impossible based on your credit score. It's impossible based on your background and your education. But what is impossible with you becomes possible when you put your expectation with God. Amen. Let's look at Mark eleven twenty two. I just want to encourage you. Say, keep believing God. Say, why does she keep having me say that? Because you're going to have some situations even this week where you got to choose whether you're going to believe God or whether you're going to believe what they said. God will give you a word to anchor your life. It's one of the reasons we make confessions over our kids. We make confessions over our kids so when our kids don't look like their confession, we remember what we confessed. Because your kids may not always look like your confessions, but you got to remember what you confessed. Just like you don't look like you always saved, but Jesus don't take salvation because you don't look like you're not saved. Some of you didn't look like you were saved last night. Some of you ain't going to make it through the end of this day before you don't look like you ain't saved. But God ain't take salvation from you because you don't look like you ain't saved. I'm trying to help somebody. I know we ain't got no notes. I know we don't have no three points. But if I could just get 13 people to decide, I'm going to believe God no matter what, we'd see blessing on top of blessing and testimony on top of testimony and increase on top of increase. Mark 11. Mark 11. Say, so I love the, love the word. My expectation is from God. Is from God. He's, the He's the one I trust. I want you to think about this. We went on a, um, a girlfriend's conference last year, and they was asking us why we have such good friendships. And everybody else had these really great answers. You know, I like her because she's smart and she's whatever. And I was like, I, like, I trust them because God said they was trustworthy. And the moment God said they ain't trustworthy, I ain't fooling with them no more. Because I trust them because God said they're trustworthy. Your life would be so different if who you believed in was because God told you to believe in them. If what you believe was because God told you to believe. My expectation is from God. Mark 11, we almost done, y'all. Mark 11, verse 22, he says, have faith in God. The literal translation of that is to have the God kind of faith. Well, how do you get the God kind of faith? In Romans 12, it tells you he has dealt to every man a measure of faith. So when God tells you to have the God kind of faith, he already knows that you have it because he gave it to you. Say, I have have faith faith just like God. God. Say, in fact, I I got my faith from God. It's so interesting to me that people get so upset about having something just like God, but you call God your father. Now, the same people who get upset about having something like God when you call God your father get offended if their kids don't look like them. It is the indication of whoever you've been hanging around and whoever formed you that you ought to look like them. And so you have the faith of God, so then you have to use the faith of God. We use this situation all the time just because it's funny. When, Jesus, when God looked out and he saw that the earth was dark and without void and without form, he didn't go, man, it's dark. What are we going to do? <laughs> he said, let there be light. Well, the Holy Spirit carries the power of God that fuels your words when you speak them. And so when you're looking at dark situations in your life, stop focusing on the darkness and start calling in the light. call in the light we shall live and not die our life shall not be cut short no accident will take us out no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper in fact every other weapon that is already formed against us has already been defeated it's already under our feet that's why we don't say stuff like the devil been on my back all night long how in the world could he be on my back when Jesus said he's under my feet if he's on my back I must be laying down it must be time for me to get up and put him where he belongs under my feet I'm not defeated I'm not broken I'm not bitter I'm not bound. I'm free because Jesus already said it about me I may not feel Feel free but I choose to believe God and if I believe God long enough then my feelings will line up with what God said and what used to seem like just an imagination will be my reality that's why faith people always look crazy faith people always look crazy cause faith people say stuff like this when they say your kid need the flu shot your kid say Jesus our flu shot and then the teacher calls me and say Miss Strickland Did you know that your kids say Jesus is their flu shot? Yes, ma'am. Well, where'd they get that from? Me. Well, you know, a lot of people get the flu, not them. You so bold. Jesus said it. He said you could decree a thing and it would be established unto you. That's why we make confessions. That's why we tell you to say, my mind is renewed. It's alert. I won't have Alzheimer's. I won't have dementia. My mind is being renewed. My mind is sharp. That's why when we lose something, we don't go, I'm forgetting everything. No, I got the mind of Christ. My mind is being restored. We watch our words. Believers watch their words. We can always tell what you believe believing by what you're speaking. Your words always give away what you really believe. And one of the things I want you to understand is that just because, just because you're nice don't mean you're full of faith. There's a lot of nice people who speak death and destruction all over their life every day. Because you're keeping it real. Well, keeping it real will keep your situation like it really is nobody wants to keep it real all right have the god kind of faith he says for verily i say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain and be thou removed and be cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but he shall believe the things which he says shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he says you can get mad but it's bible and it works in the reverse too he says, whatever situation you look at, whatever you say about it, and you don't doubt, that's exactly what you go going to get. That's why we want to get the word in our heart so when we see negative situations, we don't come into agreement with that negativity. Oh, this never going to work. Because if you believe it, and then you speak death and damnation over your life and then wonder why you got death and damnation. Well, I don't know why nothing's working for me. Well, you just spent two months telling us how it wasn't going to work. My expectation is from God. Amen? Amen. Mark 9. Well, what do I do sometimes? Pastor John, sometimes I'm trying to believe God and and, and I'm I'm conflicted because the doctor's report is so big and the money is so big. I'll give you an example. Certric came a couple of months, years ago, and started teaching us about credit, right? It seemed like a practical word, but it was a word from the Lord. If you do what I tell you to do, I'll fix your credit. Everybody who did it, credit score increased. Even people who already had good credit, their credit score increased. You know the only people they didn't work for? The people who didn't do it. Because everywhere from the Lord ain't run around the building two times. Sometimes it's get a good credit score and buy the building. But if you don't participate in it, the Bible says this kind of comes out by prayer and fasting. But you don't pray and you don't fast. And you go, well, I don't understand why I didn't move. You have to agree with God. So there's this situation in Mark 9. And in Mark 9, there's this boy. And this boy has been grievously vexed by demons for a long time. Say a long time. In fact, if you have, if anybody with normal, regular children should be able to identify with the level of frustration that this parent had. You know, when your kid's little and you can't even leave them by yourself by themselves for a minute, like that two, three age where anything could happen, where you didn't even know that they could climb on the counter and get the flower down until you came back in there. And it says, the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus, um, this man took his, this, took his son to the disciples. Jesus was in the mountain praying. And he asked his disciples to heal the man, and they couldn't do it. And then Jesus, then the man was aggravated because I imagine it takes a lot to take a kid with a disability into a place to find Jesus and then you get there and Jesus ain't there and then the people who rock with Jesus all the time are supposed to be able to help you but they can't do nothing. And as this thing is about to come to a head, Jesus comes back. He's like, hey, what's going on here? The man like, hey, your people, they ain't anointed. I asked them to pray, they ain't do nothing. Don't let that be said about you. (laughs) Don't let that be said about you. So Jesus says, what's up? Tell me situation. Because I just act like Jesus talk Arkansas English, right? Jesus like, hey, yo, what's up? What's going on? He like, look here, I got this kid. He been, you know, really taking me through. He be jumping in the fire. He be trying to, I can't even hardly get no sleep. Listen, man, I'm really going through. I love him, but, you know, I'm tired. And, you know, I just, his mama ran off. Because you know this wasn't no mama there. His mama ran off and she got tired. She couldn't take it no more. And she couldn't take all that. And so, um. And I came here, traveled all this way, spent the last money we had, showed up here with your disciples, and they got on these robes like they can do something, and then they just sat around and looked at me and did nothing happen because that's how people really talk when they come to talk about a situation. That's how they really tell the story. And Jesus was like, he says, the man says, help me if you can do something. <laughs> Jesus like, whoa, wrong response player. <laughs> He said, the question is not if I can do something. The question is if you can believe for something different than what you see. And the Bible says that the man says something that changed the trajectory of his life. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And as the man was saying it, the boy fell down and started seizing. Understand that when you are in the middle of a faith fight, you got to expect something to show up to look like God is lying. (laughs) In the middle of a faith fight, you are guaranteed that something is going to show up to tell you that what God said is a lie. And it is in that moment that you got to choose what you're going to do. And the man kept his focus on Jesus. Jesus healed the boy, and the boy went on his way. In one moment, God can take what's been plaguing you forever and put it to rest. Amen? Two more scriptures. Isaiah 55. This is why we love the word. Anybody believing for anything? Anybody got expectation that you're going to manifest? I was talking, we were talking to our friend Reggie James the other day, and he blessed me so much. He was talking about his grandfather and how his grandfather had lived to be 90-something, 95. And his grandfather got diagnosed with stomach cancer at 50. And his grandfather just refused to die. He just, listen, they never said cancer left his body, he just refused to die. He, did you hear what I'm saying? The report didn't change. Every time he went to the doctor, they told him that the cancer was still there. And, his, and he said every day his grandfather ate the same thing for breakfast. Eggs, bacon, and black coffee. He just refused to die. There is a will in you that is stronger than the diagnosis. There is a will in you that is stronger than the prognosis. There is a will on the inside of you that can make you a testimony. It would have been a great testimony to have the report come back and say no cancer fail. But the better report in his situation was that they're looking at him with cancer but he ain't done. He said his grandfather was still on the farm. He was still working. He refused to die until it was his time. And then when it was his time, he was like, I'm going home. Faith folks look crazy. I'm just, well, Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Whether they ever change the diagnosis or not, you can choose to live. You can choose. You can choose. You can choose. You can choose. We were talking the other day was... Um, autism awareness day and so there was this thing on television I was trying to show Jordan um, about this plan that helps people with autism and she watched it and she said oh that's nice <laughs> and I said um well what do you think about that she said I think it's great for people with autism So me and Ellen was trying to decide, like, how much we should push her to be like, this is what they've said, this is blah, 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 whatever. And she was just like, I don't know why people keep saying that to me. Ain't nothing wrong with me. What do they keep saying to you that you just keep agreeing with? What do they keep saying about you that you just keep agreeing with? Listen, listen, every year at school, Jordan do stuff that they say she's not supposed to do. And then when they try to say to her, well, she acts this way because she has autism, she go, no, I act this way because I don't want to do that. Because you don't have to let somebody else define your limitations when what they have said about you isn't what God has said about you. You may feel depressed, but you ain't got to own depression. You ain't got to own it. You ain't got to lay down in it. Amen. Isaiah 55. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Verse 10, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and return not thither, but water the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater now you remember when we was in kids i think i was in the third grade when i learned it right when you learn about the cycle the rain comes down the water cycle right rain co- tell me what happens in the water cycle i know y'all all made it to third grade what happens huh right he t- t- tell me again It does it over and over again, right? The Bible says the word is just like that. It said the word goes down and it gets in the heart of a man and it buzzes and it makes it bring forth so that's the reason some of you even say some of you don't even understand why you say because you weren't trying to get saved you was trying to live however you was living but you had a little old grandmother that didn't want you to go to hell so while you was out there kicking it she just kept on praying and then some of you was in the party and you was in the club and what used to feel good started not feeling good anymore and you didn't understand what was happening it was that prayer that was making it bring forth it was pulling you by the spirit out of the club and out of their bed and out of drugs because the word was making it bring forth tell your neighbor say whatever's going on in your life the word will make it work the word will make it work I wish somebody understood that the word will make it work. The word will take a womb that can't get pregnant and make it get pregnant and carry a baby. The word will take a marriage that ought to be dead and resurrected. The word will take somebody that can't learn and make them the smartest person in the class. The word will make it bring forth because there is power in the word. Hear my last scripture, I'm done. Because sometimes you just need to be reminded that you serve a big old God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I serve a big old God. He's bigger than. Fill in the blank. No, fill in the blank. He's bigger. No, I wish somebody would understand. He's big. What that thing they try to keep you up at night, he's bigger than. He's bigger than. I just thought since I got to preach on Mother's Day, I, it wasn't no way I was going to preach and wasn't go preach my favorite scripture. My favorite scripture is Hebrews 6. My favorite scripture in the Bible is Hebrews 6. If I could preach anything, it's the scripture that I would preach because it makes all the other scriptures make sense. So I just walk you through and then we'll be done. Y'all can get ready to give them their gifts. We'll start in verse 13. Hebrews 6, verse 13, it says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after Abraham had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Verse 16 says, for verily, men swear by the greater, an oath and a confirmation is to them the end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things which it was impossible for god to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into all that went within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus has made a high priest for even after the order of Melchizedek. I'm going to break that down Arkansas talk for you. Here's what happens: Years and years and years and years and years and years ago, God encounters Abraham abraham doesn't have a son abraham says to god who am i going to leave all of this stuff that you gave to me i don't have an heir and abraham says i could leave it to my servant eliezer and god says to abraham you're going to have a son the problem is that when god told abraham he was going to have a son abraham was already old not only was abraham's old because that ain't really the issue The issue is that Sarah is old. Men can have babies a lot longer than women can have babies. When Abraham is 75 years old, God puts him to sleep, makes a covenant agreement. Why does God put Abraham to sleep? Because he only needed Abraham to show up for the promise. He didn't need Abraham to do anything but show up. Some of you will get that tomorrow. He puts Abraham to sleep, and he makes a promise with Abraham, and he says, out of your loins, I am going to give you a seed, and that seed is going to be so numerous that when you look at the sand, the sand will not represent all of the seed that you have. And when you look at the stars, the stars will not represent all of the seed that you have. We back. Understand this. When God tells Abraham that his seed will be greater than the sand, he's standing in a desert. You think beach. He's standing in a desert. And he's telling a man who has not been able to produce a kid, That one son is going to give him more sons and more seed than all the sand that he can see. Tell your neighbor, say, it looks like it's impossible. Abraham does like most of us do when the promise doesn't look like it's going to manifest. He gets involved and he goes and he finds him somebody who him and Sarah together and they find him somebody who can have a baby and they have Ishmael. We don't want to talk about Ishmael today. But after they have Ishmael, God says, but that ain't what I told you. Sometimes you'll get something in your life and you'll be satisfied with it. And God will say, but that ain't what I told you. And you'll think that it should satisfy you. That's why you should never downsize your dreams because other people satisfy because you don't know what God told them. That's why you shouldn't back up and cave in because they okay because you don't know what God told him, but you know what God told you. Back to Abraham. He's 75 when he gets the promise, but when he's 99, he still doesn't have that seed. In fact, it has become such a running joke that when the angels stand up and tell Abraham he's about to have a baby, Sarah laughs. Not only does she laugh when they ask her this, she laughs, she lies. She doesn't look like a candidate to receive anything from the Lord, but when they're a when he's a hundred, they have this seed, Isaac. The thing that people don't realize is that God needed Abraham to have Isaac, because he needed to get Abraham to go to sacrifice Isaac. God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. But the way that God does anything in the earth is that he gets a man to get in partnership with him. So he gives him a seed so he can get him to offer the seed up. Because it's not until he can offer the seed up that God has access to get his seed back into the earth. So he has to find a man that even though he loved the promise, he didn't love the promise more than the God. So when God, and you can tell, listen, if you study historically Isaac was not a little boy when he took him to the mountain. He was 23 when he took him to the mountain, which means that Abraham had told Isaac, you are the manifestation of something. And sometimes that means you may have to do some things for God that don't make sense. Abraham followed Isaac followed Abraham up the mountain. But if you pay attention at the beginning of the mountain, he says to his servants, me and the lad, Will be back. Now, God tells him he's gonna sacrifice him, but he says, We will be back because he's so convinced of who God is that he's not sure what's gonna happen when he sacrifices him, but he knows that the son has to live. So he gets Abraham, Isaac carries the wood, symbolic of Jesus carrying the wood on the cross up the hill. So that he can get there and make an exchange. And so he says to Abraham, he says to Abraham, he was like, I don't really need you to kill your boy. I just needed to know that you would. And because I knew that you would, now I'm set up. Now, he fast forwards to Mary. But here's what it says right here. It says, when God got ready to swear to Abraham, this is my favorite scripture in the Bible he looked around and he said, I need to make a promise that is as powerful as me. So, you know, if you go to court, they ask you to put your hand on the Bible. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help you God. And it is assumed that a man who agrees to that is telling the truth. Well, God looks around, And he couldn't ask him, Abram, he couldn't put his hand on the Bible because he was the Bible. And then he looked at the stars and he said, I could swear by them, but I made them. And he looked at the ocean and he said, I could swear by that, but I made it. And I imagine that he looked at Gabriel and he said, I could swear to Gabriel, but oh, I made him too. So then he says, what can I swear by? He says, I swear by myself. This really blesses me because growing up as a kid, we could never say, I swear to God. When we was growing up as kids, you could not say, I swear to God. But what God said is, I swear to God, I'll bless you. I swear on everything I am. If I don't keep my promise, I will put down my divinity and I will cease to exist. He says, this is how you can know that I will do what I said. I'm trying to get you to understand that when God made you a promise, he didn't make it to you the first time when you showed up. He made it back to Abraham and then he affirmed it with Jesus. So healing, God ain't promised you healing just now. Healing been yours since Abraham. Healing been yours since Jesus. It's been yours. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are roaming all over the earth. He said I ain't looking for somebody that go to church all the time. I ain't looking for somebody to tithe. I ain't looking for somebody to teach Sunday school. I'm looking for somebody that wants me to show up strong. I'm looking for somebody that don't believe they pass, count them out. I'm looking for somebody that don't believe they money, count them out. I'm looking for somebody that will just believe God. You're here today because God and Abraham made an exchange. You are the manifestation. When Abraham looked out and saw seed, he saw you. You say, but I'm not Jewish. But read your Bible because the Bible says that when you got saved, you've been grafted. Anybody got a grandmother who used to take an aloe vera plant? Know what it mean to graft something off. You break it off one thing, stick it on something else so it'll take root. So God took us with our heathen selves Broke us off the devil And planted us on to Christ And when he planted us onto Christ He gave us access to everything that was in Christ You're already healed You're already sound You're already free You're already set free You're already delivered I wish I had 25 people That believed they was already healed That believed it was already done That believed it was already worked out I wish I had five more people that didn't need to see what the doctor's report said. They didn't need to wait here from the mortgage company because they already believe what God said. I wish I had a believing church. I wish I had somebody that would stand and not be moved. Somebody that would look the devil in death in the face and say, I ain't going nowhere yet. I'm not done. Some of y'all will get mad, but the Bible says that Jesus is in this world. So am I. I was reading about Jesus the other day, and Jesus said, they can't even kill me unless I lay my life down. I know it's bold. I know it's bold to say that your sister going to come off drugs when she's been on drugs all these years. I know it's bold. I know it's bold to say your relationship will be restored with your father when it's been broken all these years. I know it's bold. But God is looking for somebody. My whole life is a testimony of stuff that they say I shouldn't have. My whole life is a testimony. I'm a little girl from Fordyce, Arkansas, who, according to them, never should have left Fordyce, Arkansas. Should be somewhere working at a plant. But my grandma had a word. I got married in a church in Fordyce. As we walked down the aisle, people was taking bets on how long we was going to make it. Some of the same people who bed ain't married now, but that's another story. That's shade for another service. Right. I got a kid who had an umbilical cord wrapped around his neck that shouldn't have lived. I got a daughter that talk that shouldn't talk. I got Carrie who go to church who shouldn't be alive. I got my sister who had two aneurysms and should have dropped dead, but she here. That's what Chris was trying to get you to understand. We got a praise team leader that was supposed to have a mental breakdown at 25. 25. We got marriages that you know you should have been divorced. If you ever tell the whole story, people don't even know how you still married. That's why you can't even tell the whole story. Because if you tell the whole story, they walk you to the divorce court right now. Yeah. 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 God. But, God. but God, I just want you to lay hands on somebody. Just find somebody besides you, lay hands on them. We begin to pray. I want you to believe God, every demonic assignment against their life is broken. Every demonic assignment against your 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 life is is broken. We release the blood. We release the blood. We release the blood. We call on the name of Jesus. We cancel cancer. We cancel mental illness. We cancel sickness. We cancel broken families. We speak to every person in here who comes from a broken family. We declare you are not broken. You have been redeemed. You have come into the family of the Lord. You are not broken. You are not broken. I declare that the shame of an orphan break off of you. The shame of rejection break off of you. The shame of not being enough break off of you. You are redeemed. You are free. You are whole. You are delivered. Jesus loves you. You are free. I cancel every assignment. I can't. I come against every rebellious spirit that wants to take you off of your destiny. Even when you're working against yourself and you know it. I pray that the power of that thing be broken off of your life. I hear that. I bind the spirit of rejection. You are not rejected. You are not, but Pastor Sean, you don't know what my mama said. You don't know what my daddy said. I don't, but I know what God said. And God says, You are more than enough. He says that you are blessed. He says that you are also oh lovely. He says that you are beautiful. He says he loves you so much that he went to the cross to redeem you, to bring you into his family. We cancel the spirit of rejection. Anybody who's ever felt rejected from a parent or somebody who shouldn't reject you in this moment you get a choice to make. In this moment you can make a choice. In this moment you have the power to make a choice. You can say my daddy may not have My mama may not, but in spite of all of that, God got me here. And the rest of my life will not be defined by what my mama wasn't and my daddy didn't do. I'm telling you, this will bless somebody, even some of your babies. Some of you ought to lay hand on your babies because they' daddy not there. They don't love them like they should, and you feel bad about that. Don't feel bad and buy a bunch of gifts. You come against that spirit. You burn that spirit of rejection. I say this almost every Mother's Day and every Father's Day. I'm going to say it till the Lord call me home. Your issues with your mama and your daddy, they are not your issues. They are their issues. I know you took the brunt of it. But that was their insecurity. There was That's a reflection of them. And you don't have to carry that. I want to speak to somebody who you were created out of an adulterous relationship. So you carry a spirit of shame. Broken in the name of Jesus. You do not have to spend the rest of your life making up for a bad mistake your parents made. Two adults made that decision, not you. You are blessed. You are loved. I want to pray over people who had abusive parents. Physically abusive emotionally abusive, mentally abusive, parents who withheld love when they were angry with you, verbally abusive. Today, you get to choose to walk out of that. In every generation, God looks for one person in the family that will break the curse. In every generation, he's looking for one person that can break the curse. Because if he can ever get a curse broken in the family, he can flow the blessing. I was talking to our friend Bishop Vaughn the other day, and this is what she said. She said, you and Edwin don't even understand, because she's 65. She said, we wouldn't understand until we was older. She said, you don't understand the magnitudes of the curses that you have broken in order to bring blessing to your bloodline and everybody connected to you. She began to walk me through my history and walk me through Edwin's history based on the the questions she had asked us. She said, you come from parents that weren't together and your grandmother raised you. He comes from a family that got divorced. You got married. At 22, with no real chance of success because you didn't even have a role model. You walked through stuff that should have made you quit, but you had a word. And now you stand on the other side of it as an example that you don't have to repeat whatever you came from. you can be the curse breaker. You may have got pregnant out of wedlock. You may have got pregnant young, but you can raise a kid that didn't. You can raise a grandkid that didn't. Every marriage you know may have been broken up, but your marriage can become the light. It can become the testimony of the goodness of God. Maybe none of the women in your family got married because they all felt like they rejected and thrown away, but that ain't got to be your testimony. Because God is looking for a curse breaker. Because whenever he breaks a curse, think about this. The young's been married longer than us. They have more wisdom than we have about some stuff. So then the young's become a testimony that we can make it if we keep going. And then now some of you who used to come to us for counseling about certain things, now now we call you to counsel the people who are going through the thing. we like, hold on, the Grams got you. Hold on, Chris can take care of that. The Smiths can handle that. That's what winners are. We break curses. We break, we destroy the works of the devil. We crush the devil's head. Everything that should take us out, we dominate it. And that's why you need a church family, because sometimes maybe your bloodline ain't strong enough, but you get in and you get connected with somebody else, and they be like, we ain't letting you go down. We ain't letting you go down. You can't see yourself on the other side of this depression, but we've already seen you. You can't see yourself happily married, but we've already seen you. Listen, we're going to give away the gifts, but I just listen. That's your prayer for today. You can choose. You can choose.